The following message is brought to you by the Ezra Institute for Contemporary Christianity. To learn more about the Ezra Institute's mission to advance the Lordship of Christ, please visit www.ezrainstitute.ca. Culture War is back. It's on in spades. Today we're into the bonus round. We've got not two, but three of the Culture Warriors assembled in the studio. All familiar faces and names. The Reverend Dr. Charles McVitie, President of the Canada Christian College. Good morning, John. Good morning to you. The Reverend Joe Boot is back with us, Senior Pastor at the Westminster Chapel here in Toronto. Joe, good to have you back. Good morning, John. And Greta Vosper, Minister at the West Hill United Church, founder of the Center for Progressive Christianity. Holding up the side of the light. <laughs> all right. Well, you know, it's interesting. It's funny You're all people of the cloth. And uh, so let's uh, start. This one's not anything from whole cloth, but uh, it seems a resolution for this volatile, potentially catastrophic situation in Syria and in the broader context, the Middle East and perhaps the planet, uh, is the Putin proposal now being offered uh, as a way around this Gordian knot, as it were, uh, to take Assad aside and say, hey, look, as your sponsor, you're my client, we're palsy-walsy, stand down, put down your uh, chemical weapons, allow them to be uh, seconded by some third party, maybe conceivably the United Nations or whatever, and uh, we'll all get on with our lives and uh, everything will be hunky-dory again in Syria and the Middle East. I mean, what are we to make of this as we go around the horn very quickly? I mean, because some people see this for Israel, an existential threat potentially, uh, as I say, the genie coming out of the bottle, uh, crossing a red line and not being answered by a world that still holds certain things sacred, uh, and to be immune from this kind of uh, use of chemical weapons, you know, I mean, the treaties were signed post-World War I in 1925. Do you think this Putin proposal might just be the answer, the best way to resolve this, Charles? I think it's one way to resolve it, and I think it's great that that uh, there is a resolution to this, but I don't think it deals with the elephant in the room. And if you notice that Barack Obama, in all of his uh, presentations, he always uses the chemical weapon issue as the reason for going into Syria, but then he adds as a footnote, and yes, we're going to work toward re- regime change and support the opposition, support the rebels. How does this support the rebels? That's what this, I be- last night I watched a video of a report from the French foreign minister who said that two years ago he was in the UK discussing a plan to have a regime change in Syria. This is uh, General Wesley Clark has been saying this for a number of years. This is something that they've been wanting to do. They use chemical weapons as a guise. And now Putin has said, you know what, I'm going to take that chemical weapon off the table. So now you're going to have to expose who you really are, and that is supporting the jihadists, the Islamists, that just yesterday they seized the Christian city and threatened all the Christians. If they don't convert, they'll be beheaded. He, They went in and they, they seized all the Bibles, and they came out and they put out a video saying that Bibles are worse than chemical weapons. Those are the people 
people that Barack Obama is supporting and and shame on him for doing so. And our prime minister needs to withdraw his support for the United States in this Syrian conflict because of that. All right. So uh, you're all in favor, or you're not in favor of regime change? No, I'm not. I'm not in favor of supporting Al-Qaeda. But I am in favor of, 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 of spanking Assad for using chemical weapons. Spanking. To watch those 500 children die, those, ah. that is horrific. But to support the jihadists, no way. All right, I, I called it a Gordian knot. It's uh, certainly a conundrum. We don't know who, who, there are no good guys. It seems like they're all bad guys. Uh, there might be a rump still of good guys, and uh, I don't know if they're being sort of uh, dispossessed or cast to the wolves here with this Putin proposal, but Joe Boot, I ask you, is this the best of all possible outcomes we could hope for? Well, I certainly agree with uh, with Charles that this is highly problematic, that we can, that this conflict could be justified, because really what's happening here is the West is being drawn into what is de facto a civil war. There is no uh, – the idea of a Christian theory of just war is that you are – it's defensive for a start off and that you are opposing aggression. Well, both sides are aggressors here. Half of these fighters that were turning up in Malula to take over this Christian town and, you know, threaten people with beheading and people are fleeing, they're foreign fighters. Some of them are even Chechnyans. So this whole conflict is uh, – has multiple uh, uh, Islamist interests involved – and uh, by arming the rebels and then by sort of just bombing Assad, really you're just taking sides in what is a fundamentally a Sunni, Shiite, or at least an offshoot of uh, those uh, pers- Islamic perspectives, conflict here. And uh, I think that we have to uh, explore the political channels. I think actually, again, in this situation, Putin is putting something plausible on the table that is going to uh, avert more bloodshed and more smart bombs blowing up lots of uh, many of people who will be innocent, who are non-combatants. All right. They're so, hiding these weapons amongst the civilian population anyway. Well, we, what you're suggesting then is uh, Putin's initiative or proposal uh, has a noble aspect to it. I think it has something of real value here because I think that what is ultimately behind much of the regi- regime change policy and interventionism is fundamentally a globalist politics that, uh, the, the, you know, the whole notion of... Uh, international uh, human rights, international currencies, international courts, all of these, there is, a, there is a fundamental political agenda behind the doctrine of regime change. And I think that ultimately that drives many of these uh, self-interested maneuvers. I mean, at the end of the day, I know it's highly controversial to say so, but the bottom line is, if you really want to clean up a situation like Syria... Uh, it is costly, and you can't do it with smart bombs from a destroyer. Actually, the the old British model, which nobody ever wants to talk about anymore, colonialism, where we actually went in and took responsibility for all of its uh, failures, Americans never want to do that, or at least uh, America recently has not ever wanted to really do that. And so if you look at what's happened to Christian communities in Iraq, in Egypt, in all of these, in the so-called Arab Spring, they're persecuted, they're driven out, the, the minority groups suffer the most. And what changes? You, you sweep the house clean and seven worst devils take, the, take their place. All right, so they can't be afforded any protection because there's no stomach for the fight or boots on the ground is what you're saying. So these, uh, these communities that you're talking about, like Malula is the latest in Iraq, yep. or uh, rather in Syria, uh, they're going to be sacrificed to this uh, game of international 
whatever chess that's being played out now. Uh, let me get to Greta Vosper. And I know I've asked this in the past, but do you think that uh, the West does have a responsibility to some of these communities in places like Syria and in Egypt? I don't know that I'd call it the West. I think it's the international community that has some responsibility, and I think the international community has to have the conversation. I agree with uh, both Charles and Joe. Applause in the background. Um, that, that, that this is an extremely complex situation, and that the United States uh, is not necessarily clean in its uh, determination to go in about these chemical weapons. I mean, the United States continues to uh, support uh, the regime in Egypt by sending uh, military arms, and Israel as well, both of whom are in complex relationships within their countries, uh, and so their moral high ground is is a bit tarnished. So I, I think that we need to be suspect of that. Um, I think that Putin's um, suggestion uh, is perhaps one that, that allows the United States to back away from that a little bit. But I would call upon uh, Obama and, and Putin to pull together uh, international leaders to have a conversation. How are we going to deal with this? I mean, this is these are mafia tactics. You you go in there, you shoot something off, and you're gonna. There's gonna be a, well, a retaliation. There's no no uh, way we, that's we not it. gonna we happen. Get it. But let me ask you because what you're setting up here is this moral relativism that uh, we're no better than the other guys, and therefore we shouldn't preach or take a a high moral standing. There's moral equivalency. Uh, I don't I don't agree with moral relativism. I mean, I'm I'm I am not like our, our other guests on the panel. I'm not an absolutist when it comes to morality, and, and I certainly don't ground it in a particular set of scriptures. But I do think that moral relativism can be very, very dangerous, because then anything goes, and I don't agree that anything goes. I think that when the well-being of civilians is at risk, but you're uh, saying basically then we, we need to be attentive to that. We, we, we need have to find nothing, a way to We have nothing to, to, to preach or to teach them or to uh, try to what we impose want to preach, our will, because we're no better than they are. I think are. what we want to preach and what we want to teach needs to come out of discourse that takes place with the entire international community uh, as best as can be pulled together. But that's at not going the table. anywhere. The yeah, Russians and the Chinese well, don't want right. to have and that discussion. That's why that's not working. So don't go to the UN. Don't go to the Security Council. Pull together a group of international people apart from that. Set up a table in your dining Actually, room. Actually, what we need is Christian wow. missionaries in all of these uh, contexts and uh, cultures. But to the leftists, that's a cultural genocide to go and preach the gospel. Uh, the Christian faith in these types of contexts, that's what they call it. Now, you're not going to change. This part of the problem here is that the West refuses to or cannot recognize that you cannot impose a liberal notion of democracy, which is failing in the West anyway, upon the Islamic worldview. It doesn't work. It doesn't matter how many smart bombs you send in there, you're not going to change these people's minds about that. Well, yeah, all right. If yeah. you want to impose... They need to be at the table, but that, okay. we're, we can't impose. Well, you know, Greta, it's amazing to me to hear you on the left preach something that George Bush did. Forget about the UN. Go get a coalition of 40 nations and go in and invade Iraq. Yeah, uh, I guess that you have come over to the side of the light. <laughs> all right, let's come back and uh, we'll take some calls if you uh, want to do a pine on this Latest proposal from Vladimir Putin uh, to be the peacemaker. And uh, is that a satisfactory resolution to the situation in Syria, or does it demand uh, a firm response from the West still, despite Putin offering a way out for Obama to retreat uh, from a posi position of belligerence? The culture war is back. All right, let's get back into it with our panel this morning, the Reverend Dr. Charles McVitie, the Reverend Joe Boot, and Greta Vosper, and uh, all 
people of the cloth on this issue of the Middle East and what we find in Syria is uh, the requirement for some kind of a response. I think human morality and decency demand that. But to what extent? And is the Putin resolution satisfactory where uh, he'll take matters into hand, uh, get his man Assad to uh, give up his chemical weapons, and then we all go about uh, living out the string, whatever that means? Or uh, has there have we come to a tipping point? In other words, you know, the old adage, and I'll quote Edmund Burke here, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing. And uh, so that is the question. Are we uh, going to just let this Putin resolution stand? Obama then uh, talks about, you know, how we put their feet to the fire and created this situation where the, the Russians stepped in and, and resolved this whole thing? Or is that betraying a whole lot of folks in the equation? Uh, sure Joe? it is. Oh, okay, Charles, you believe well, that. Well, because... Obama has for months on end been funding and sending weapons to the rebels, fueling this conflict. And the rebels, we all know by their actions, you saw those men with no shirts on, bent over, being capped in the back of their heads. We've seen what they're, we see what they're doing to the Christians in the regions, in the region, and it must be stopped. But Joe's point, well, Joe Joe pointed out that uh, to uh, say it must be stopped then requires more than 100 or 200 Tomahawk cruise missiles. No, the Obama must stop uh, funding and weaponizing Al Qaeda. Doesn't he realize that the jihadists. And so then the killing goes on unabated. Well, no, I mean, this is fueling the conflict. When you when you when you give all the weapons to Al Qaeda, okay. there's so then not got going no... to be good things happen. Okay, so then it's a one way slaughter, and uh, you're saying that's uh, the lesser of the. Evils. I think and what that tends would be to consistent happen... with the United States' <clears throat> policy what, what... around Sorry, weapon Greta. provision. Go ahead. What often happens in these situations is that uh, by arming what appears to be initially the weaker side, you just prolong. What you're doing is prolonging. The agony. If the goal is for people, if we care, actually, it's about people's lives and we care for the innocent people and so forth. Sometimes actually doing nothing is the moral stance in certain situations. If intervening is going to make things actually worse. And mm-hmm. actually, it was as way back as Florence Nightingale who pointed this out that this kind of interventionism. Uh, will simply allow, the, uh, even sometimes uh, medical interventionism just allows uh, the conflict to go on even longer. You just extend the agony, as it were. If, and intensify and, it. Often. And intensify it. And because here, what you've got at work is a revolutionary mentality, even with the, with the Americans, and it comes, unfortunately, from, a, from a, essentially a Marxist ideology, which thinks that if you just have a revolution, if you just overthrow the alleged oppressor, then all of a sudden you're going to have a utopia emerge in the Middle East. How many times does this have to happen for us to realize that doesn't work? Yeah. Greta was just asking me whether I'd be prepared to say on air what I said during the break, which was, you flood these places with Christian missions and Christian missionaries. The only way to change the Middle East is to change the dominant worldview there. And that well, fundamentally is what's required. So what you're saying is... Uh, now you we have an argument. ...tip the balance from, uh, say, uh, predominantly Muslim to predominantly Christian. Fundamentally, yes. As opposed to a third rail, which might mean uh, increased secularism and uh, separation Education. of church or mosque and state. Or, 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 or yeah. at the very least, 
uh, input into this equation, freedom of religion in the region. That would, in and of itself... Well, how do you introduce liberal democracy except that you become nation builders? And that means you go and you've got to be very proactive in places right. like Afghanistan and Iraq That's and right. how that works. Well, if you're gonna if you're gonna break the egg, you need to go in and and be a nation builder. And yes, the UK did this when they defeated the Ottoman Empire. And yes, they went in as a colonialist power and they set up regime change. They set up a new system of government. Right, so Western imperialism if, well, is if, a solution. If, if Obama, look, think about the money that's spent on the military. Let me give you a proposal here: the money that's spent in the military. If Obama really bothered, cared about these people in the Middle East. What we should do is spend money on hospitals and Christian education and Christian and, schools and, and Christian and education missions. And, and education, Joe, not Christian education. Well, education how's your liberal general? education working out for us here? We're right now with 42% functional illiteracy and a collapsing democracy. Proportional representation. 40 percent of people turn out to vote. And you think education that if we had a, doesn't work? If your we had a your education doesn't work here, here. That we wouldn't have any of those issues. If we Christian education is an absolute necessity now in this country with the way uh, our education. Uh, here's a couple of emails that have come in. Uh, this from Carl. Uh, just to crib one part of it, he says, "Mr. Obama is the product of the feel-good politics that exists within the Democratic Party in the USA, and like Jimmy Carter, his inactions or uh, his actions or lack thereof will take the U.S. decades to overcome, if ever. So it's a turning point now." we're uh, facing so a crisis and, of and leadership i mean the world has evolved uh, i mean we we have to <laughs> really? start re- no, we have to start recognizing that our neighbors are very very close and so uh, the reaction is is the caller is or the emailer is quite right it, it will take decades to pull back or to change or to well, he's saying we're, we're losing it. We're losing here. the Middle East and our sway of influence uh, to people who may want to affect liberal democracy being subsumed by fascist-style de- theocracies. To uh, Barry's, right. Barry's exactly. email, and liberal democracy in, this, in, the, in the West is becoming increasingly totalitarian because, as with one of the other issues we were thinking about discussing this morning, multiculturalism as a political doctrine, polytheism, doesn't work. When you've got all of these worldviews that are saying have to be treated absolutely equally, you have to have an all-powerful state that's able to control all of them. And that's the fundamental problem. You cannot have, there is no such thing as a neutral culture. There is no such thing as a culture is the public manifestation, manifestation of religion, whether it's secular humanism or Islam or Christianity or Hinduism. You cannot have more than one ultimate governing a society. This is what the West doesn't understand about Islam in the Middle East. And remember, John, that this is a, a globalist intervention mm-hmm. in Syria. This was not a rising up of the people. This right. was a globalist intervention in Tunisia, in Libya, in Egypt, and now Syria, and guess what? The end result is all Sharia Islamist government, and it's horrific for the world. All right, well, we may beg to differ on that front, but I got a lot of calls. Jack in North York, thanks for waiting. Weigh in, please. Yes, uh, hi. Um, I have to take issue with what the reverends are saying in terms of, you know, flooding the Middle East with Bibles. I mean, Christianity is, unfortunately, whether you like it or not, it's a failed project. The whole Enlightenment period that we went through in the West, was actually a rejection of Christianity. That was the Enlightenment. And uh, so, and I'm all for it. I'm all for uh, discussion and debate of ideas. I say that the best ideas win. And I think when you do have a, uh, a real true democracy where people do have access to information, like in the West, you do see that people are becoming Muslim, do become Muslim. Uh, they convert. They don't convert at the, you know, at the, uh, the blade of a sword. Well, where do you uh, think Canada came from? Win. 
Sorry? W- is Canada a failed state? Where do you think this well, the, the, democracy well, in yes, Canada came from? Reasons, it's a Christian it's, project. Where do you think the United States came from? Yeah, can I, you know, well, Canada, I mean, we all know, and you can ask the other reverend, I forgot his name, but like you said, liberal democracies, these are, we are experiencing uh, the failures of these, uh, our, our tenants, our ideas in, in, in liberal society. The reasons why we don't have the type of crisis you see maybe in the Middle East is because right now we're fine economically. We don't really have, we, you know, we haven't solved major issues. No, I'm sorry, uh, you need to answer the question. You, you said okay. you're going to answer it. Where yeah. did Canada come from? Was it some kind of secular... The question is, where is Canada going, Charles? Where we want it to go. That's the important... You don't need to stand on where it started all the time. No, because the point is, is the fact is, is that that Christianity has brought about democracy and freedom. And one of the things that's great about Canada is the distillation of values that can guide it into the future. They may be distilled from Christianity, but they don't hold Christianity up as an exclusive uh, Just for the sake of the caller's uh, history here, uh, uh, the parliamentary democracy and the uh, places like um, United States of America, Australia, New Zealand, what we would understand as the free world was built with the destruction, essentially, of the absolute power of the monarchy in the in the Cromwellian period in the 17th century, and uh, it was Christianity that laid the foundations of what we call proportional representation in government. Now he's right in pointing out that the Western democracies are steadily failing. I agree with his analysis there. But that's not because of Christianity; it's because of the abandonment of exactly. Christianity. It's because, because the foundation and, and Islam, and I think the caller may be a Muslim, but Islam certainly does not provide for any of those structures. The Islamic Ummah and the Islamic Sharia does not provide for freedom and liberty and proportional and representation, does, does it? neither does Christianity. Neither does Christianity. It's fundamental it form, it you're, you're a beneficiary of it. If the Sharia yeah, law came in here, be. Greta, under your head would be off. You would be on this radio show. Under fundamentalist Christian law, I wouldn't your be head able covering? to have, do, be in my job. You're factually wrong, because Christianity has created Western liberal democracy. It's, it's based on the foundation of the Bible, and that's why we have these the Bible, the freedoms that the we have. The Bible Demi- is a story not, that's not written by a bunch of human beings. Greta, it's not, Canada it's not is a demi- the Canadian word of dominion. God that came down. Do you know and where if it Canadian- was, I would have some real problems with that God because of the genocide that is, that is directed by God over and over again. If Go you want to use that as a model, we've got it happening all over the history. place. You've got right. to take it away. So what these gentlemen are saying is the Judeo-Christian tradition uh, or legacy is one of uh, liberation and liberating people, whereas... Uh, Seriously. Come on, John. Well, Absolutely. You know, demanding that people saying. live under the law of the Bible is not freedom. Look, look, that co- that's, English that's common law, Greta, another, English common, common law, law has developed and over the, the British course of North history, America Act and it doesn't go back to the Bible to figure stuff out. It, does. it builds on, it builds on <laughs> what the cultural... <laughs> Common law Greta, involves you're flying every in the face of all of the facts. Case. All right, hang on, Just hang on, because you speak loud doesn't, doesn't make it true. It hang on, hang on. You're it, both speaking mm. at the same time, and nobody has an idea what anybody's saying. But, I mean, uh, free will is sort of a, a, a Christian ideal, and uh, therefore, if you've got free will to uh, either reject or embrace it, doesn't that sort of go, uh, lead to uh, people, you know? Lead uh, to what? May, well, they, they form their own forms of governance. Uh, it uh, led to all kinds of, uh, let's say, enlightenment. The enlightenment. I'm not being... saying that there aren't things within the, the writings that have been collated into the Bible that are positive. There are obviously positive elements in that. Right. But there's also an awful lot of stuff that is negative. And we have, over the course of time, given the responsibility and the authority So which part of the Sermon on the Mount? Will you let me... 
keep going? You are, you've kept going but, for a while. No, I haven't actually, Joe. If you want to count the minutes, you guys have had a lot of airtime. If you want to actually give the power and authority to interpret those texts to a bunch of people and you have no control over who those people are, then you have no control over how those texts are going to be interpreted. And so those texts can be interpreted in a very broad manner, uh, as most of the people in my tradition do, or you can have it interpreted in an extremely narrow manner, as most of the people in, in Charles. Which part uh, of the Sermon tradition. on the Mount that Jesus preached in the book of Matthew are you hostile to with respect to... I did which not is say his ex- I was hostile Well, to it's his exposition the of the law, Greta. And it's not new. He didn't Jesus come up with ex- it. No, it was it the law of Moses. It had the course of time. It's his exposition right. of the law. Well, well, what so which part of, the, of it are you hostile to? Okay, so the Decalogue. We should have that posted yeah, oh, everywhere and just have uh, to Let me just that. hold, uh, hold I mean, up here for a second, Greta. No, I've got to take a time out and we'll come back. And thank you. Thanks for giving me that permission. Wasn't sure it was going to be granted. All right, back with the unruly panel here, uh, the Reverend Charles McVitie, the Reverend Joe Boot, and Greta Vosper, and uh, we're discussing, I guess, in the context of Syria and the Middle East and uh, where we stand at this point in our history, and uh, to many minds, uh, the moral leadership of Western civilization, Western civilization is the last best hope for mankind. Some people may dispute that, but uh, I guess the Reverends here, uh, Boot and uh, McVitie, certainly believe that to be the case. Do you not? Sure. Sure? You're not sure? You're not sure. You don't think that. That's a very sure, sure. Well, well, I mean, uh, is this uh, the best that mankind's ever going to come together with uh, what we've distilled over the centuries, Western civilization? I believe in exceptionalism. I believe that the Christian position is an exceptional position and that we need to recognize history. We need to recognize the facts. And that's why you do not support. Uh, a radical secular government that re- that has never built any free democracy. Secularism has built communism and other and socialism. And evolution and then you had have, never come up with a human. And then you have uh, then you have the issue of Islam that has never brought forward freedom, but Christianity is the bedrock of our Western free democracy. All right, but now, and hang if you'll on. recognize history, you'll recognize well, the truth of got, that. If you deny right. history, but we're, but we're then also, you can Charles, go on the side of Greta. We're also at turning points in history, and I mean, I look at Quebec now. They're going to introduce today, formally, their Quebec Charter of Values. In response here in... Ontario, a liberal backbencher, wants to introduce a motion today that calls on the legislature to oppose any bill to restrict or prohibit freedom of expression and religion in public places. So it's almost like uh, he is uh, rejecting this out-and-out secularism. I'm talking about Monty Quinter now, this motion uh, coming as it does on symbolically the same day where Quebec is introducing a charter of Quebec values. They want to have uniformity of secular uh, a secular in the public square anyway, Greta Vosper. Would you support what they're doing in Quebec on that front? I think that uh, the question of what happens in a public space and what an individual chooses to display, that those are two different things. And so I think that individual well, rights what if and an individual, What if an individual wants to display their uh, religious affiliation in a public space? That's fine. If they're, if they're doing that, if they're building a monument, I think that, that that's a very different thing. And I think public governments need to not privilege uh, or pander to particular ideologies. What about that big cross on Mount Royal that's sort of a landmark in Montreal? Does that come down? No, I don't think that comes down because that's a historical, iconic piece of, of architecture in that space. And I, I don't think you need to pull every steeple down. I don't think you need to, you know, cover over every golden dome. You know, I think... I think that those things uh, have their place in our society, mm. and I think that we need to find ways to allow individuals to be supported uh, in their uh, 
personal private faith, but I don't think that public institutions uh, should be in the in the business of erecting uh, and su- displaying uh, religious symbols. No freedom under Greta Vosper. I just said personal and individual freedom oh, when it came to thank you. To we faith. can have personal freedom Absolutely. at home. Absolutely. No, and public. in the public space, but it's your personal decision. But I'm not going to make you wear some kind of religious symbol that you don't adhere to. No, but, but if you Quebec choose to is, wear going one, that's to, fine. is going to ban the and uh, I think that that's an issue. Religious I have a real expression. Issue with that. Are they going to ban the native religious expressions? No, they're only going to abandon the ones they don't approve of, and that is not freedom. I think that what this is actually in the end about is that uh, much of the modern left, in particular, is starting to realize that um, they've been playing with fire with respect to, in particular, the Islamic ideology. This is happening now in many parts of Europe, Hungary, Italy, Germany, Britain, where politicians have gotten themselves into trouble for criticizing the doctrine of multiculturalism all of a sudden because ideological subversion has been going on for a good 50 years in the West to destabilize the Christian center by saying, well, all these different worldviews and religious perspectives, they're all going to be treated equally now. So that we cannot have a what we would call a Christian consensus. Now, as a you know, to give a theological answer to your question, John, on air, if I'm permitted to do that, I don't believe politics ultimately is the ultimate hope for mankind. The West, in and of itself, is not the ultimate hope for mankind because there are actually Christian cultures emerging in other parts of the, in the Southern Hemisphere and Africa and so forth that may well be better champions of freedom in the days ahead. If, in fact, we uh, 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 sacrifice or abandon the privileges and responsibilities that we've been given and bequeathed by uh, the Christian worldview. So what are you saying? There's something better than liberal democracy, or is liberal democracy the best that we can, and we should export that as well? I'm saying that uh, we would have to have a discussion exactly what we mean by liberal democracy. If liberal democracy means... Uh, uh, consent of the governed to be governed and proportional representation under a certain set of uh, standards uh, give, uh, guided by a given morality, then yes, we still have something of tremendous value to offer the world. As soon as we abandon the foundation of that, what we've got left with is the crumbs of judicial and political pluralism, and this is what the left is wrestling with in Quebec. This is what France is wrestling with. This is the fundamental challenge of our time, which is... How on earth do you have polytheism running a culture? Can you allow uh, unabated certain an absolute freedom of religion if all religious perspectives, be they secular, humanistic, Hindu, Islam, or Christianity, if they're all given equal treatment? Fundamentally, that is an impossible position. Now, we're running into that now. And so the question is, what is Canada? What is America? What is Great Britain? What do we actually stand for? Mm -hmm. Secularism has failed in this respect. Let me add this here because our time is tight and then I'll get to you, Greta. As a matter of fact, I'll, I'll ask if you applaud this development. The Ontario Human Rights Commission, in a ruling last week, decided that atheism would be as recognized as Christianity, Islam, or other faiths because uh, this guy who was upset, I guess, his, uh, his kids at the Niagara Regional School Board were getting um, Gideon Bibles distributed in their classroom. He also wanted the, uh, s- uh, the secular or atheist text, uh, Just Pretend, a free thought book for children, to be equally distributed or to have access, and the Human Rights Commission decided that he was right. He should be allowed the same kind of treatment 
atheism is now considered a de facto creed. You buy that? Well, I think Richard Dawkins' The Magic of Reality would have been a better book. But um, <laughs> I have an issue uh, with, uh, with anyone being able to distribute that kind of material. And I don't, I don't know that the Human Rights Council hit the nail on the head. Um, they are in the process of... Uh, redefining the word creed because it's not clearly it's it's used interchangeably with religion and and in the in their uh, le- guiding documents and so those it, it's under review right now. Um, I certainly do think that uh, in the public sphere, uh, those who have no belief uh, need to be protected. Uh, uh, in the same manner in which those who have beliefs are protected uh, in their private lives. One of the, the things that I think has led to the situation that Joe uh, laments is the reality that uh, within religious uh, institutions and religious faith traditions, uh, there are laws and understandings and cultural behaviors that are antithetical to many of the laws of the land as they had developed, like the ability for me to lead a congregation and talk. I mean, within a variety of different faith traditions, that's not that's not okay. So how do you uh, align um, and support and protect those uh, rights and privileges that we have as Canadians over and against or within uh, religious traditions that don't provide or protect those same rights. And I think that's where we get into this clash and where multiculturalism uh, is is uh, in a huge challenge. And uh, some of the response that came out, and I don't know, I can't remember who said it, but to well, the Quebec But you've not given an answer there, uh, Greta, to the problem. All you've done is just I'm, describe it. I don't it. have an answer to the problem, Because though. secularism sure. doesn't I mean, have I, an answer. I am not a and Christian like you guys are. I know. With answers to absolutely everything that comes up in the world. It's not black <laughs> yeah, and white. Yeah, you're leading a church. Well, oh, that, that's sake, really Trump. amazing. But the Ontario Human Rights Commission is just absolutely wrong because this document that this man is putting forward has no historical significance. It has no literary significance. It's just pure propaganda. But the Bible and the is the bedrock and the of English Gita. literature. Put that it is the foundation of Canada. It's the foundation of our democracy it's and our freedom. And for someone not to study it, a religious pers- pers- then a child in, in is not in grade nine, along with all the other gods. Well, the, the humanist- all right. I no, guess, I guess what it comes down to, Charles, I guess it comes down to uh, which creeds will be uh, deemed to have met a certain standard or a threshold and others that fall below that. And the question is, and the Human Rights Commission said, atheism is a creed. That's logical, John. That is logical. Fine. Atheism, I mean, the Humanist Manifesto 2 is very clear that humanism is a religious perspective. This is what Greta struggles with a little bit, I think, is that there's no such thing as a person who has no beliefs. Everybody believes a certain set of things about reality. Those are creedal, fundamentally. You talk to any political philosopher who's worth their salts, they will tell you that it's impossible to have a neutral perspective with respect to public life. It simply isn't. There is always a sanctioned orthodoxy. Greta is for a secularist or atheistic... Uh, orthodoxy that is going to have to restrict in one way or another certain Christian liberties or certain Islamic liberties or whatever, and that's what we're seeing. So the question simply becomes, what is the ultimate by which we're going to be governed? Is Jesus Christ and biblical faith the model, the basis for society, or is there some better model, perhaps Karl Marx, perhaps R- my countryman Richard Dawkins? Well, what you're the saying, Joe, is serpentine we, individual at Oxford. All these faiths competing can't coexist. That's what you're they saying. They can coexist, but they cannot coexist as ultimates which will all equally govern society. That's impossible. The Roman Empire dealt with this 
in their cultic pluralism, which they had, and all the great empires have had to face it, so it's by, saying, by saying the Senate... It, Caesar is God, the emperor. Em, this is why the Christian church was persecuted, because they wouldn't offer incense to the emperor. Caesar. It was the emperor cult. You have to say the state is the ultimate allegiance, the state is God, but you can practice these other little cults. Now, that's the question that we're facing. Is that the model we want to go with, where the state ultimately is finally like the Roman Imperium, totalitarian, and will license various religions to practice if they submit to the state? Or is there another principle of freedom? Now, the Christian answer is is that the basis of, of freedom in the West was built upon Jesus Christ, the only connection between divine authority and man. No state or politician or emperor well, can replace doesn't, that. Doesn't Islam no, uh, defer to a divine authority? No, it defers actually to a, a revelation in a book and the life of Muhammad, his example. But John, we have to have freedom, and atheists must be free to advance their positions in a free dem democratic society. Absolutely, we have to Thank have a competition Charles. of ideas, you agree, I agree and then with that. let the best idea win. Excellent. And atheism and are, loses um, every single John, time. John, if I may, tomorrow right. night at West Hill, uh, Michael Dowd, who's an evolutionary theologian, uh, author of the book "Thank God for Evolution," is going to be speaking there at seven o'clock, and it will be an entertaining and engaging to all event. Three people. So <laughs> Shut up! But is it a free? Is it a free evening? Uh, it's a pay as you can. So it's free well, if you want to. Yeah. All right. I mean, that's well, a that's... very liberal thing to do, don't you think? Uh, well, I guess it must be. I uh, hope it doesn't get bombed or something. You know, hey, by easy the, the now, enemies uh, of freedom. I'm hoping that's not a threat. Jeff. Let's Absolutely just leave not. it on that note. Uh, again, it was kind of heady but feisty, and we appreciate it. The Reverend Charles McVitie, President of the Canada Christian College. The Reverend Joe Boot, Senior Pastor at the Westminster Chapel in Toronto. And Greta Vosper, minister at the West Hill United Church, founder of the Center for Progressive Christianity. I think that's going to be a wrap. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the Ezra Institute for Contemporary Christianity. Please feel free to share it with friends, but do not charge for or alter the material in any way without the express written consent of the EICC. Thank you.